The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, Episode 12. General West Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we gotta do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Indeed. You say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous. But this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Barazzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. And joining me today are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father. How's it going, Jack? It's going well. And Lisa Jones. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Cal Shaw, Jack. (laughs) Today, we are discussing the 12th episode of the first season of SG-1, Bloodlines. We begin this episode in Medius Res with Teal'c undergoing a medical procedure where they attempt to remove the gold larva inside him. While undergoing the ultimately unsuccessful surgery, Teal'c has a vision of his son, Ryak, undergoing the implantation of a gold symbiont. He reveals to Jack that he has left his family behind on Chulak and asks General Hammond for permission to return there. Hammond initially denies his request, but approves the mission after learning of Ryak. On Chulak, they meet Teal'c's mentor, Braytak, Teal'c's wife, Dreak, and discover that Ryak is dying of scarlet fever. The team is able to save Ryak by giving him Teal'c's symbiont. Samantha and Daniel steal a symbiont from the Gold Temple to bring back for research purposes, but they end up giving it to Teal'c to prevent him from dying. With Ryak healed, the team returns, and Teal'c promises to return one day to free the Jaffa from the tyranny of the Gold. What were your thoughts on this episode, Father? Oh, this is one I enjoy because it, it really gives us more insight into the Jaffa. We get to you know learn a little bit more about them, about the, the process by which they get the symbiote. Uh, of course, we get to meet Braytac, who becomes a very much beloved character very quickly. Uh, he's one of the one of the more popular ones. Um, yeah, we just we, we get to you know, see more of, of course, Tilk's background as well. So this is you know, it's, it's a good mm-hmm. good uh, episode. We get to see Daniel Jackson be quite brutal against the uh, Gwauld larva. So uh, yeah, he, he uh, gets to take out a little bit of revenge on the Gwauld, anyways. What about you, Lisa? Uh, I agree with everything Father Corey said, but I also think this is really the episode for me that Christopher Judge really just sealed. You know, he his role as Tilk, right? Mm-hmm. We got to see him besides just be stoic and say indeed. You know, we got to see his human side. Human right, as a yeah. as a Jaffa, but yeah, yeah so definitely. I I loved seeing all that emotion from him. Yeah, what about you, Victor? I really like this one. We get to meet uh, Dracula's niece, and uh, oh wait, I'm thinking <laughs> of Castlevania Bloodlines for the Sega Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, no, but uh, in terms of uh, Stargate SG One episode Bloodlines, I really like this one as too. I mean, uh, uh, Braytac is is one of the iconic characters of the show, and his introduction um, establishes establishes who he will be you know, throughout the, uh, the next eight seasons or so and, uh, eight, nine seasons. And yeah, he's, it's, it's always a treat to see him when he appears. And, and, uh, this is an excellent show. We learn a lot about the Jaffa and their customs, uh, you know, their sense of humor too. So, uh, definitely one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked it too. So I think we're all in agreement on that. I like you were saying, Lisa, I really like how this deepens Teal'c's character. It gives us a lot more insight into 
his motivations and his psychology behind why he's doing what he's doing. And I like that you really see his him be more than just the stoic muscle of the team. Right. <laughs> and I like how so when we meet his wife, it isn't really a happy reunion. She's she's <laughs> yeah. mad at him for basically just ditching them. And I I liked how they played that. Like, cause in reality, if if you were stuck in her situation, you'd probably be pretty mad too. Well, not just ditch them, but put them in the situation where they lost everything because they, you know, they had this house that, I mean, it doesn't look like it was the most luxurious house in the world, but it was their house. And now it's a fixer upper. Yeah. yeah, Now it's a terror downer. (laughs) There's nothing left to fix up, you know, but they, they lost everything and they were outcasts and she was trying to at least not pass that outcast status onto their son. Right. By, you know, by convincing the priest to do the, the ceremony to implant the the larva, mm-hmm. you know, so you can understand why she'd be upset. Why Tilk would suddenly show up and, you know, fight it off. Right. Yeah. And it's also interesting that he waits until the day before the ceremony to bring this up to Jack. So like, if you're going to plan on going to save your son, you might want to give yourself a little bit more lead time. I guess, <laughs> I guess part of it is he's kind of, he's down to the wire. And so he has to do something about it, but mm-hmm. could have, could have done some better planning on his part to get that taken care of. I also like, like we were talking about Braytac a lot. His character is mm-hmm. really interesting and it fills out Teal's reasons for joining the team. We see that Braytac as his mentor kind of instilled that view in him that the Jaffa do not need to be the slaves to the gold indefinitely. So in the pilot episode, him deciding to go with SG-1 really wasn't a spur-of-the-moment thing. It's been something that he's kind of been building towards. Right. And so it's nice to see yeah. that, that that's been carried through. Yeah, and it isn't until Season 5 when we get like that full story, Teal kind of goes through a dark night of the soul, and, and we see... Uh, it's told in flashbacks, but it's not for once episodes of previous, you know, shots of previous episodes. But we mm-hmm. do get to see Teal'c's progression from being, you know, Apophis's loyal first prime to a disciple of Master Braytech. Nice. Yeah, that I'll be interesting to see uh, see how they fill that out later on. Um, another thing that I thought was really interesting is the subplot with Samantha and Daniel stealing the gold symbiote. So they go to the temple and all the symbionts are for some reason unguarded in a big fish tank. Basically they steal it and put it in a, a water bottle. Yeah. It's the cup goodle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, I love it. It's like a biohazard tank and it's yeah. basically a thermos. Yep. Right. A big yeah. thermos. It's a special thermos. <laughs> yeah. And that, that tank they were in made me think of a, uh, they don't do this anymore, but back in the day at Walmart, they would have the lobster, the live lobsters. Oh yeah. In those big <laughs> tanks. Yeah. I remember seeing those as a kid and thinking that was fun, but that's what the gold holding thing reminded me of. Yeah. They're the sepulcher in the middle of a, in the middle of a gravel pit or. Yeah. Well, I, I got a kick out of, I think it was Sam said, well, why don't they have it guarded? And or no, it was, it, it, Daniel said, well, why don't they have them guarded? And Sam's like, well, who's going to want to steal these larvae uh, like us? Yeah. Well, yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Especially if you have your slave population have compromised immune systems, you think that that would actually make them more valuable to them because yeah. the larvae oh, don't yeah. seem to be discerning on who they go into. It, it's, it seems like and the way they kind of, I, I thought they kind of expressed in this, in this uh, episode is that the larvae didn't take over the immune system until they were implanted. They had a normal human immune system until the implantation took place. And then the gold basically kills off their immune system and takes over. So they really, they're fine for immune system, but. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this episode also, it's, it's very interesting the way they set up something that they pay off. I think, and it isn't until season 
five or six or even seven, I can't recall exactly, but when they do get the drug that allows uh, the Jaffa to be weaned off the, the symbiote, and they kind of set that up at the beginning where they're they're giving him a, a drug and it just does, it doesn't work. And it isn't until much later that they discover the Trismolusher or whatever it's called. Yeah. Trutonin. Nice. The one thing I couldn't remember and that I didn't get from this episode. So was the pouch there or was that what the priest was doing to, to Ryak when he walked up? I don't know if they ever said. I don't. Yeah, I don't think they pointed yeah. that out. I would assume it would have to be there already, because if you've got an open wound like that, mm-hmm. I feel like that's going to get septic pretty yeah. quickly. But <laughs> yeah, especially, they... especially if you have scarlet fever already. And he was holding the pouchy knife there. And that's what he yep. uh, fell on. Yep. That's mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, so we get uh, Daniel basically kills all the larval gold uh by shooting the tank so he they talk about it briefly him and samantha and she says that if they do that they're going to be no better than the gold but he turns mm. around and takes that shot and that yeah, was uh yeah. <laughs> kind of kind of nice to see daniel yeah. act on a little rage right a little yeah, yeah. full rambo yeah, yeah. and, and it do. gives us that hint of that dark side we get to see from him every once mm-hmm. in a while Right, well, especially especially since you know he, he obviously rightfully so blames the gold for loss of both his wife and Scara, so it's like okay, fine, I'll pay you back by taking something <laughs> from you. Yeah, I do wonder about the morality of that. I guess it's going to depend on where the gold fall on the sentient level, because at this point they honestly seem more like some sort of very complex virus. They don't seem to have the the highest reasoning capabilities the way they handle things. So I don't know where exactly well, that would fall, but they. They do explain later that all Gould are born with a genetic uh, a genetic memory of all the other Gould, mm-hmm. and so they're inherently evil. Basically, ah. I mean, we do meet yep. kind of good Gould later, but yeah, it is it is kind of a, a moral conundrum there. And I, I do love uh, Braytek's face when he learns that they've stolen the Gould that will save Teal'c's life, basically from from the <laughs> Sepulchre. And he's like, "You stole from the Sepulchre?" It's like, wait, you don't even believe these guys are gods? But it just it just you know he's he's a cultural. Uh, you know, Gould, I guess, you know, Jaffa, I guess, you know, he's, he's right. There's still some institutions there, uh, some lines that, that he won't cross. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. And as we meet more Goulds as we go along, well, they, they do have their own individual personalities and rationales. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more. I mean, we've only really met Apophis quickly mm-hmm. yep. a couple of times. So it'll, they'll, they'll get and, a little more detail. <laughs> there'll actually be a, a Gould that becomes kind of an anti hero. Of the series. Oh, nice. Yeah, so Ball <laughs> becomes... He, yep. he actually becomes a popular Gould. Something to look forward to much later on. Yeah. That, that's many, yeah. many seasons down the road. But but for now, uh, of course, you know, mention uh, Braytac. I just, I had to look it up. I couldn't remember, but he's played by Tony Amendola, who's such a mm. great actor. He is. Yeah. He's I mean, been anything so you much. see him and he's always just awesome. Yeah, he yeah. really, he really inhabited that character. And he was so good. I mean, they brought him back. I didn't look to see how many times he comes, but he's quite, you could call him a recurring character. Yeah. He, we see him like so 26 much. 26 or 27 episodes total. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's kind of a second tier. You know, you get your, yeah. your primary mm-hmm. characters, you know, SG-1 and General Hammond, and then you've got like second tier and that's kind of where he sits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he never yeah. wears out his welcome either. I mean, a lot of these people are like, <laughs> oh no, why are they bringing him back again? But, but he always says, you know, he's, he's, he's always, you know, welcome, welcome site. Well, right. Well, yeah. And, and by the way, we, we hear where he gets his greeting for General Hammond. He always calls him Hammond from Texas. Mm-hmm. Well, That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Jack says, you know, well, well, I, you know, I've got a boss. It's, you know, General Hammond. He's bald and from tech, very bald. Yeah. And very from Texas, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
Speaking of Hammond, I, I just love his, his attitude towards things where they pitch this. So at the beginning of the episode, they pitch this idea, hey, let's go back to Chulak without, and he doesn't know the reason yet. Mm-hmm. And then Teal'c is going to attempt to do it just on his own, go AWOL and jump through the gate. And once Hammond finds out about the reason that he wants to go through, he okays the mission. So I like that you, you get that he cares about the characters. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Another another thing I really liked, uh, speaking of the SGC, is is we learned that the escape key on the keyboard turns off the Stargate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hey, I mean, you know, is that what they always teach you? Hit the escape key <laughs> yeah. if something's not yep. working right? Yep. I said the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if the Stargate has that, uh, the old thing um, from computers in the 90s. Does it say it's now safe to turn off your Stargate? Once, once you <laughs> oh, yeah. Power <laughs> yeah. Shut down mode. Yeah. <laughs> One thing to watch, and you, you'll see clips or you'll see pictures of this online, but watch the keyboards because the production crew would have way too much fun with the keyboards. They aren't always a regular QWERTY keyboard. They would change the keycaps to say things. And some of them are interesting, shall we say. Oh, really? Oh, nice. I had no so idea. I can't see it. I yeah, didn't either. You'll have to go. Uh, if you go to the Stargate Reddit, um, some of the people who've worked, who worked on the series would post pictures of what they had put in. Some of them are rather interesting insults towards like the producers or the directors or whatever. But of course, you can only see it like one frame. You had to catch it just right to, to see it. But they would, you know, of course, it's easy to, especially those type of keyboards, it was easy to replace the keycaps. You just snap mm-hmm. them off and snap the new ones on. So they, they changed the letters because it really didn't matter. They weren't actually nice. using the keyboard to type anything. So maybe that's the reason we haven't gotten a HD remaster of Stargate yet. <laughs> you don't want to show the that jokes yeah. to get out yeah because i know that happened a lot in a lot of other uh shows in the 90s because you can't really see the text on a lot of screens like you know they do that on next generation a lot and with the remastered versions of a lot of those shows they've actually had to go in and post and change mm-hmm. all the jokes on the board so you're not reading them as you watch them in the show exactly That's no fun yeah Spoil no, sports. Just, yeah just keep it <laughs> So I like how we've been getting this string of episodes that are really expanding the universe mm-hmm. and deepening the universe. So we get more about uh like the background of the Jaffa and everything. So I, I like that like the, it's really fleshing it out and building it out. And we I mean we're starting to see you know, we do start to see here at the beginning of the, the Jaffa rebellion where they're mm-hmm. rebelling against gold and, and really, you know, Braytac and Teal'c are, are the genesis of that. Right. And so, mm-hmm. but like you said, yeah, it is kind of fleshing it out. It's growing out. These aren't the, the silly episodes like Emancipation or something like that, where they're just standalone filler episodes. These are episodes that are actually moving the storyline along. We're, we're getting closer to the end of the season. So now they need to start thinking about how are we going to end this season? Right. And hook people in yep. for the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, just to flash forward a little bit to the next episode. So we get the scene in this episode where Daniel shoots the gold spills them all over the floor and then the next episode they think daniel's dead and one of the lines that jack says about him is he was our conscience and watching those episodes back to back i was like Hmm. really (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i I don't know how much uh catherine powers who wrote the next episode like was was clued into what the other writers were right we're doing but um, it was funny yeah i mean he really wasn't much of an uh uh conscience when oh they want to take sam carter and turn her into a slave but we can't interfere with their culture yeah Yeah, that's really a conscience or the broken divide rape yeah oh that's just how they do things that's just yeah yeah Mm. all the all the words i would use to describe him i don't think conscience is one that really comes to mind (laughs) at least not at this point no he grows into it later later yeah he does grow into it 
But maybe that's one of the reasons why Jack like immediately sidelines um, Daniel Jackson and Carter when he realizes it's going to be like a suicide mission to rescue Ryak. He just tells them to go off and guard the gate, you yeah. know, basically sidelining them. And then on their own initiative, they, uh, they decide to, to, you know, do Ocean's Eleven on the Goulda there. Yeah. Does anyone feel like they're siblings? It's like the way they go off, like, oh, let's go get into trouble. You know, just... <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like twins. <laughs> yeah. This is what the second episode they've done this in already. It's like, oh, OK, let's go. Let's let's not listen to him. Let's not do what he said. Let's just go. Let's just go do something. Well, you know, they, yeah. they went to try to get one of the larvae. So they fulfilled yeah. that. They tried yeah. to fulfill that mission. <laughs> yeah. I just want to know why they didn't grab two. If you're, right. if you're doing something like that, you got the opportunity. You're like, you only had one container. And yeah, maybe they would fight in there or something. Yeah. Like Siamese fighting. Yeah, yeah. Like get in there. <laughs> yeah. I, I do have to put in a, a, a note for uh, Sally Richardson Whitfield, who plays mm-hmm. uh, Dreak, and we'll see her on you know the the CW superhero shows, but also on Eureka, where she plays uh, uh, Allison Blake for for many Ooh. many seasons. Yeah. And stuff. I didn't so, recognize her. Yeah, to- a very very impressive actor, and um, oh yeah. yeah, very good to see her in this role. Yeah, I'd forgotten that she originated Dryak because we don't see her again. We She's recast. Yeah, and I think she's probably the best Dryak we yeah. see, but yeah. Well, I did, yeah, like I said, I didn't even recognize her as, you know, and I, I loved uh, Eureka. That was mm-hmm. yeah. such a great series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's talk once, about once Eureka for a while. Yeah. <laughs> once we're done with Starkey, we'll do Secrets of Eureka. No. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be about five years from now. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Oh, and you know how we were talking about the uh, voices of the Asgard later? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the head priest in this episode, the one at the gate, he is one of the Asgard voices later. Oh, oh really? Nice. Yeah. I did not catch that. I, That's awesome. I didn't catch it. I found it on a wiki thing that I was reading. And I was like, yeah. oh, he's also in like three episodes. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's Who knew? Cool. It is funny that uh, the Jaffa have kind of inherited the Apophis's um, lack of initiative when things are going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not like being they're paid to like, think. Yeah. They just kind of <laughs> kind of go around, go along with it. And they'll, they'll try to stop SG-1 when they're there, but they don't really seem to be putting that much effort yeah. into it. Not a lot mm-hmm. of object permanence for the Jaffa, and maybe that's a... Uh, you know, um, related well, to the symbiote feature, not a bug. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it, it is a kind of a, a feature of if you have slave labor to be your bodyguards, they're, they're really not going to go all that far out of their way to actually, yeah. you know, like give up their lives for you. You get what you pay for. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. <laughs> my, uh, my daughter today, she goes, we were watching it. She goes, so they have all this technology and yet they use a horn and not a walkie talkie. Yeah, they notify them. Like, yeah. there's no other way to let them know, kind of a, hey, someone's here. Odd sounding horn at that. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were blowing the chauffeur for the chauva. Oh. <laughs> but, um, nice. But, yeah. Yeah, they do. Their, their technological level seems to be like Middle Ages, but then they have laser staves. Well, and this and this is this is, I think, consistent for a race, the Gwaold, that don't develop their own technology. So they have these, this technology, they have the ability to somehow produce this technology, but they don't understand the technology, so they mm-hmm. can't advance the technology. Right. You know, because they don't care about understanding the technology. All they want to know is, I have a ship and I can fly it. I have, you know, my soldiers have staff weapons that they can shoot and they can. Mm-hmm. Plus, if you have, if you're enslaving people to be your warriors, you probably don't want to give them like super advanced weapons or super advanced mm-hmm. technology or that might Just uh, backfire big staff time. staff weapons yeah. and... 
Which, you which know, they but, can block with their shield, uh, their force shield. So. That's true. You know, but I mean, at least Braytac showed that, yes, you can rapid fire a, a staff weapon. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, we was, haven't talked about Braytac's wit, humor, and just yeah. overall skill level, right? I mean, he yeah. he just uh, let SG-1 have it. And then the debate is, was he really being rude to them or was he just challenging them? I think he was. I think that was a test. I think that was totally because oh, t- his reaction after yeah. Jack knocks him down, it's like, <laughs> okay, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I flipped he still back knocked, around, knocked yeah. Jack down a notch, but, yeah. he, you know, he could tell yeah. he was like, okay, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> and you love Jack's face like, oh, my gosh, you're over 100. Oh, let me yeah. help you up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I'm the sorry. Dynamic- and the dynamic between uh, Jack and Braytech, especially at the end when Jack is like, all right, here's the plan. And Braytech's like, you will do what I say. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, you will follow me. Yeah. Yep. And when Braytech goes forward and has to knock out all the priests and stuff, you know, you see Jack kind of take a step forward and Teal calls him back. Like, no, no, he's got it. Just let him go. Mm-hmm. We're good. <laughs> yeah. And I guess they really couldn't establish Braytech as like murdering the priests, you know, or, or mm-hmm. you know, blasting them. So he had to like knock them out. That establishes that he's a very spry fighter and stuff. But it would have yep. probably been a lot more to disadvantage if he had like killed them. But I can understand why he might he might still view that as sacrilege, too. You know? mm-hmm. Well, it shows that he has restraint and he knows how to deal with the situation with causing the least amount of damage possible. Right. Yeah. But still, Which I mean, and, yeah. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> kind of, fair enough he, well because now he's they know he helped them escape so now he's gonna be a shova right yeah right mm-hmm. and, so and, that was kind of that opening for his character and how we see him next time that was it was an interesting way they kind of put that in there at the end how he can be obi-wan now to Ryak, who has his uh anakin skywalker <laughs> moment in a death glider in a few seasons so. <laughs> yeah. nice yeah and with Ryak's uh, scarlet fever I'm going to assume that part of keeping the Jaffa subdued is maybe when they reach puberty, they their immune systems die out and they have to be implanted. Like they don't really they don't really explore that. And I don't know if that guy gets explored later on, but that seems like that would be an effective way. Well, of they were they were subdued. living in basically squalor. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so that would happen to any of us if we were in that kind of environment, regardless right. of what our immune system is like. I mean, scarlet fever is not something to sneeze at. I mean, it's a pretty yeah. serious disease. So, I mean, I, I guess I guess I've always gotten the impression, again, that the the Jaffa's immune system is a totally human, natural immune system until mm-hmm. the implantation. So he right. had a, a, a until the point that Tilt gave him his symbiote, he had a normal human immune system that currently was fighting off a very serious disease. Right. That makes sense. I was just wondering, because the way they talk about it, Raytac doesn't really know what to do mm-hmm. about the fever. So they obviously don't have any sort of advanced medicine more than well, maybe like folk remedies or something. So they don't I guess keeping it. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this could also be, you know, with, with a race like this, where if you're a child and you die, well, that's painful, but life moves on. You know, yeah. you think there's about other children. The Jaffa and being the bodyguard you call it for the ghoul how, how many of them we see die per episode that mm. they're in i mean it's i'm assuming it's acceptable in their society yes. because they don't know any different wait they're like the all, all the ghoul all the jaffa they shoot with their machine guns die <laughs> i just i just thought they were resting no i'm just they're waiting for their larva to to re- <laughs> rehabilitate them yeah yeah we can go off on a tangent about a uh, stormtroopers and the sequel yeah, trilogy of Star yeah. Wars here, but 
you don't humanize the cannon fodder and then continue to use them as cannon fodder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Speaking of humanizing moments, um, I do like when, when Teal'c is introducing SG-1 or the rest of SG-1 to Master Braytech and he calls them, you know, three warriors of great skill and cunning. And Sam is like honestly flattered and like, oh, Teal'c, you know, like it's so sweet. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. You know, I never knew you thought that way about me. Well, I, yeah. I had to laugh because... She was actually kind of offended about being sent off. He's like, but we're warriors of skill and cunning. It's like, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, yeah. defending your area of retreat is very much an element of skill and cunning for a warrior. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they just got FOMO, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's okay. They made their own fun. <laughs> yep. <laughs> In a very dark way, but yes. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. I just feel bad for whoever has to go clean up all the... Well, the symbionts just lying on the floor. It's not got to be fun. Well, maybe there's some wildlife that take care of that. Some bird oh, that'll yeah. swoop down and there eat one. Go. Yeah. You know what? About the wildlife area, I, I know that everything's filmed there up near Vancouver, Pacific Northwest and all that stuff. But I really thought that the trees, and the plants, they, they did a really good job. It all looked so nice. Mm-hmm. Not the gravel yeah. pit they were filming, yeah. but the rest of yeah. it. I was like, <laughs> is this really still Vancouver area? Because it looks different and nice today. I don't know. Maybe it's, it wasn't rainy. It's a different, yeah. yeah, it's a different location of that, that area. I, I, I seem to recall it looked like a lot of it was the same. Well, the, 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 like the gate itself, I think is the same day filmed for children of the gods. Mm. The same. Yeah, the gate the area. Same I know for a fact that gravel pit is the same behind, you know, in front of the gate, there was that cliff. I'm pretty sure that's the same gravel pit they used for um, the first commandment too. At least it looked very mm-hmm. familiar. Oh, but, and and going through the gate, it was weird. Not only are they like dressed up under in undercover costumes, which they re- really don't ever do, um, mm-hmm. but they went through without a mouth, which I thought was pretty gutsy. They just well, dialed yeah. the gate, and they—I mean—they know Chulak's there and stuff, but they don't know if you know they, there's a big wall on the other side or anything. They just kind of dive through. Well, they're trying to go undercover. That might blow their cover if this human <laughs> human <laughs> mouth. I don't. I don't. I don't think the Gwalwold have melps that they could disguise it as. Do yeah. you stick like a selfie stick through there and just, you know, get a look around first? <laughs> no, because they could they could throw a cell phone through or something, but if it, it, it wouldn't actually like go through the gate until the whole like connected, you know, the whole thing. stick went through. Yeah. 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 It's true. Otherwise, that skate travel would be though. very messy. Yeah. Yeah. We could do something though. To, like make sure. But yeah, they could very easily do some kind of remote thing. But again, this is something they knew that the atmosphere and everything was fine for them. It was just, they're going undercover. They knew there were going to be guards because there weren't before, but now all of a sudden they've decided, yeah, these human beings can actually show up and like shoot the place up. We need to make sure we actually have guards now. Yeah. I like how Tilka just takes it in stride and deals the situation. Mm-hmm. The one little flaw there with them dressed up as high priests with the little hoods and everything, right? The women, the you never see the women as the priests. The women are always dressed as priestesses with like barely any clothes on, right? Mm. So then you've got Carter dressed in the cloak. And I'm like, again, no one was like, but that's a woman, you know? Yeah. Maybe we just haven't seen any women priestesses that yeah. were dressed like that. True. True. But I'm thankful gold. for her that they didn't make her dress like that. So. Yeah. Well, it'd be kind of hard to, to, to cover her camouflage underneath her. <laughs> Yeah. Bikini, so I mean <laughs> be kinda hard, you know. Wait, don't we see a little bit of that in two episodes from now? Hathor? Oh uh, boy. Oh, mm. I, I might have to accidentally miss that episode. <laughs> yeah. That was that was not a good episode. Oh, I like that episode. <laughs> I like the, I like the concept. But yeah. 
So I think we're going to have fun discussing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, you know, I, I did kind of laugh, though. I might have to go back and watch, but it, it seemed to me those robes were just a little too tight to have, like, their entire military guard <laughs> exactly. plus yeah. weapons and everything. But suddenly all they have to do is strip that off and they're ready to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they didn't have any packs or anything like that, so. And they left it all there, right? I mean. Yeah, the, yes, the, yeah. the robes did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking that might come in handy. Yeah, you don't ditch your uh, disguise before you go to the place where all the people are. Yeah, mm-hmm. or to take it home to use again later. Yeah, it's good to see oh. that the the SGC has its own prop department and costumes department, right? so that they can yeah. put something <laughs> up like that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, disguises should kind of be a standard operating procedure for going through the gate. But you got yeah, guns, they do so sometimes. Why not? They do sometimes. So a lot of times, yeah, they just stroll through in full military uniform with their guns ready and whatever. <laughs> Maybe they assume that the people need to be intimidated, handle it better that way. Yep. But we're there for to be friends, you know, but we're going to intimidate you before we make right. friends with you. Yeah. Guns first. <laughs> I think that's, that's the same. Angie. Yeah. It's the same tack the Federation uses in Star Trek. We come in peace with our giant yeah. spaceships that could glass your planet. Yeah. We exactly. come in peace, shoot to kill, shoot to kill, shoot to kill. Yeah. <laughs> As the uh, novelty song Star Trek and goes. Yep. Yes. Yep. So yeah, uh, Father Corey, did you have anything else to add? nothing here like yeah you can tell we i enjoyed it yeah, yeah. this is a good this is a good epi- another good episode yeah definitely what about you lisa um i liked seeing ryak as a kid again because mm-hmm. we're gonna he's gonna again obviously he'll follow us for several seasons so it's nice to it, he stays the same actor so it's nice to see him grow mm-hmm. into a young man oh that's cool mm-hmm. what about you victor uh i really like this episode nothing more to say Awesome. Well, before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate, including Alan R., Oliver A., Brent B., Bob M., and Anthony V. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com stargate. You can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. You can also join the StarQuest fan club mailing list by texting starquest to 66866. Send starquest to 66866. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, Fire and Water. Until then, Father Corey, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Stargate. Well, thank you, Jack. And Lisa Jones, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you too. Hey, who are you calling a hassock? Thanks, Jack. <laughs> and once again, I'm Jack Barazzini. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Stargate on StarQuest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think?